Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host always and forever. I am joined by, as always, Ryan Quigley and Ben Goetz. Hello, gentlemen. It's us. We're back. We're back. We're back. First time in a couple weeks because I was out of town for Christmas, as most of us were. And uh, there has been plenty of Gold Knights hockey since then, er, since we've been on the air. So as we usually do in the first segment here on the Nightcap, each and every week, 6 to 7 here on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. We like to kind of recap what happened since we last talked to you. So let's just start on December 19th, shall we, gentlemen? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's get let's get this thing going. On December 19th, they lost to the Vancouver Canucks 5-4 to four in overtime. And it wasn't the greatest game that they ever had, but at least they were able to kind of keep pace with, with the Vancouver Canucks, who are kind of a young upstart team in the Pacific Division this, this year and have shown definite flashes of greatness in their core. Although I don't think it's their year quite yet. But still, it was, it was a it was a decent game, don't you think, Ben? Oh yeah, it was a big comeback by the Knights too, because they got down early. I believe they were down three one after the first period, gave up a backbreaking kind of last minute goal in the first period to go down three one to the Vancouver Canucks. So the fact that they rallied to at least get a point in that game on the road in Vancouver, I think, is pretty commendable. Though I must point out, it was their first loss on their uh, annual dad's trip, mm. so the first time. The dads were not happy with the results, so, I mean, we'll see what that means for the future. Does that mean a mom's trip next year? Because now the dads are not perfect. <laughs> it's going to be an aunt's trip. They don't do both? They don't do a dad's and a mom's trip? No, just it's done just dad's, dad's so far. Trip. Well, we'll just leave that where it lies, then. <laughs> That's an interesting thing to not have. All right, we'll move on to the 22nd of December. They go into the San Jose Sharks building, building that they will visit one more time this season, and not exactly a friendly environment between those two teams, as we all know, but they end up winning 3-1 to one and pretty much convincing win, don't you think? What did you see? Did you catch that game, Ryan? I didn't catch the entire thing, but, mm-hmm. oh my God, the Sharks are... Disgrace. They're as bad as the... Like, when we started the season... Remember they had that nice little run and everyone was like, uh-huh. oh, here they come. No, they are actually not good. Like, when we... At the beginning of the season, when they looked as bad as we thought they were, that was very much black and white. They're awful. They are super, super bad. And it's even to the point where I don't, I don't follow Sharks Twitter religiously, at least mm-hmm. from their beat writers, but it seems like... There's not a whole lot of urgency in that locker room either, despite firing Peter DeBoer just not even a month ago. Yeah. Not just Peter DeBoer. There's two other coaches that got fired, too. Oh, I there's, that's true. And there's just, yeah, little urgency for that group. They have not turned it around under the interim coach. Uh, but it's weird because now, at least for the Knights fans, Sharks are like out of sight, out of mind because they do not play each other again. The rest of the season, they're done. Oh, they're done, done. They're now. done. Oh, I thought they had one more visit to the to the Shark Tank, so they're done. They are done. So yeah, one of the biggest rivalries, at least that's how it felt like it in the NHL, 
is done before the calendar flips to 2020, which is an interesting bit of scheduling. Obviously, that like back to back slash home and home kind of at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. was really fun and got I think a lot of fans excited. But to have that kind of series be done in 2019, yeah. I'm sure it's a bummer for a lot of Knights and Sharks fans because for the Sharks, that's kind of what you could at least still hope for going into 2020 is, hey, maybe we can at least beat the Knights. Right. right. I remember that early in the uh, in the preseason. I think it was like the like second to last or last preseason game, whatever, it was the Knights and Sharks. Yeah. And it was just a wrestling match on the that's ice. That's what Evander Kane got suspended for because he yeah. pushed the ref. It was the yeah. best. It was That was the most entertaining preseason game ever. And I was hoping that that was going to continue throughout the whole season and then hopefully into the playoffs and it's not happening now. Yeah, so. there's pretty much no chance that the Sharks make the playoffs. And they find themselves in a really big conundrum here because they just signed Eric Carlson, that super long-term deal. They still mm. have Brent Burns under contract. You still have a lot of those guys that are getting a little bit older, a little bit long in the tooth that are signed long-term. Now, you're gonna, Joe Thornton will come off the books. Yeah, we'll sign him to, yeah. for another year and eternally until he turns you know, 84. <laughs> but it seems like the Sharks are kind of in that mode now where they could be looking for a rebuild next season and and going forward just because they don't have the ability or the cap space to really finagle around to get these big-time players because they spend money on their big-time players. His name's Eric Carlson, but you're wasting him by pairing him up with Brent Burns, who doesn't know how to play defense and isn't doing super well on offense either, so why even have him out there? It just seems like they had a plan, and it's not going to work out and that they're going to have to live with those results. And that, that is sad that the the rivalry is done for this season and the way that that team is constructed and should they go into the rebuild, that's going to affect this rivalry and the way that these two teams play each other. So Kevin LeBanc, you might remember he took like a pretty massive pay cut mm-hmm. during the off season to come back and hopefully win a cup. Yes. <laughs> he looks, I must, he, he must hate himself right now because they're not going to the cup. I think we can all agree on that right, right now, unless this is some sort of momentous, like Herculean effort. St. Louis Bluey and St. Louis Bluey and effort in the second half of the season. I mean, poor Kevin, 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 Kevin. That's the uh, home alone. I don't know if that's coming across as yes. clearly as I, I wish it would. But. Mo- most people got what you yeah. pu- what you were putting out there. But how good how good does Joe Pavelski feel? Oh my God! <laughs> Honestly, you got to wonder how big yeah. how big it is. Like why they're they're you know fall from grace. How much of that has to do with him not being there? Right. I think, I think that is all of it. Well, not all, but it, culturally, most it's of it. huge. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean there were reports. Uh, I believe it was Kevin Kurz of the Athletics said they recently lost an overtime game. To the LA Kings, and there was guys kind of laughing in the yeah, showers yeah. post game. Yep, yep. And so you'd have to think, like Joe Pavelski, like would not stand for that. And I'm sure you still be like, doesn't what are you stand. laughing at? Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure you still doesn't stand for too. that Ugh. in the Stars locker room. So that I think is just a poignant example of exactly what they're missing. Right. And this when means Joe Pavelski walked out the door. This means absolutely nothing because like it's just people on Twitter and people on Twitter. Are a what lot do you mean? Like, That's the moral conscious of America. All yeah, right. Like they're they're a bit rash, but. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, like, I remember when they named um, uh, Logan Couture the captain. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were just like, yes, this is awesome. They're already starting to be like, this guy has no leadership, this, that, and the other. And it's just like, oh, boy, it's yep. it really is not good. It's going rough for the Sharks. And things kind of went rough for the Knights a couple days following that win over the San Jose Sharks. They went to call, or they came home to uh, face Colorado the night after, second half of back-to-back, and get spanked. By the Colorado Avalanche, who are a very good team, mm. giving up seven goals and only scoring three goals themselves. But from what I understand, because I was uh, I was in Minnesota during this, I did not get to catch this game. It wasn't really a contest. No, and it was Belmar basically 
Oh, Pierre Edward <laughs> Belmar. Yeah, like, of course it's Belmar. loves playing in T-Mobile Arena. So the yeah. first time the Avalanche visited, Belmar has his first three-point game in his career. They won like 5 6 nothing, I think, in that game. And that 6-1. I was shouting at my TV, get the hat trick! And then get he it! comes back, scores two goals, as Ryan just uh, eloquently put it, against the Knights. That's his first career two-goal game. So he Is that really? Yeah. He now has set... Two career milestones in his first two games back at T-Mobile Arena. He clearly just loves coming back to Vegas and playing. <laughs> it does something for his game. I did not know that. He was on their third line, too, so they've moved him up the lineup. I mean, he is just playing really, really well for the yeah. Avalanche. He's getting more ice time there. He's kind of being allowed to showcase his offensive game a little more. I mean, that first goal, it was a heck of a backhand shot. Like, yeah. I had to look at my line chart because I was like, oh, wow, that was a really good shot. Like, who just put that in the net for the Avs? And I was like, Belmar? You're like, what? <laughs> that one? Pebbles. Does he have a brother that I'm unaware of? Like, that was a really good play by him. And really just rough all-around game for the Knights. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who tied a career high with seven goals allowed. I'm surprised they left him in for the whole game. But granted, it's a, it's 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 a loaded decision when you're deciding to pull a goalie. It, mm. it affects the mentality of the starter. It affects the physical health of the backup. It, there's a lot of things that go into But when you're getting scored on that much, it has to be really tough. And But granted, it the Colorado Avalanche are one of the best teams going in the league right now. Outside of St. Louis in the Western Conference, they have probably the most solid roster. And granted... With that roster, the Knights haven't really shown up against them. So that makes me a little worried that might have some signs later on as we get closer to the playoffs that they haven't been able to kind of solve the avalanche or at least make it competitive because it just seems like they're chasing. Yeah, like I want to say like, oh, well, it's the best team in the league. Like, you know, you have games like this when you have when you face a juggernaut like that. But like at some point, the Knights really do have to put together a good 60 minute effort against one of these juggernaut teams to Mm -hmm. prove themselves as one of the top dogs in the West. Absolutely. Really, they just haven't been doing it. I mean, they're they're looking good. They're in the playoffs right now. They're they're correct me if I'm wrong. Top of the standings. They right? are in the Head division. Of, yep. So Not by like points percentage, but by actual points, right? Right. Now. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, like, at some point there must be some sort of you got to flip the switch and really start like giving it your complete 100 percent A game against these these cup contenders. Right. And after that poor performance from the team, but Marc-Andre Fleury giving up seven goals, they did start Malcolm Subban in that game against Anaheim, who the Knights are facing tomorrow night. Uh, they faced them on the 27th, lost 4-3, to three, where they opened the scoring, but then gave up three or four unanswered goals, three of those coming in the second period. And you just can't do that when you're when you only give up 18 shots on that game. And granted, it's not all Malcolm's fault, but it just that's how teams like Anaheim win games like that. Is that if it's a low low shooting low and just they keep you to the outside and they strike, it just gets weird like that, right, Ben? It was just a hot mess of a game. Yes. I mean, I was there and it was two teams that clearly were not ready for that game. They're still working themselves back in shape because it was the first game after the three-day holiday break. Too much gingerbread. No, no, you mean but before that? I'm talking about Anaheim. Yeah. No. Oh, Anaheim oh, okay. was Sorry. the first game back from the break. Oh. Uh, so they're still working off a lot of holiday cookies, mm-hmm. a lot of eggnog, whatever they imbibed during that three-day break. So the first period was just a struggle for everyone involved. Then the Knights take some penalties. The Ducks score two power play goals, and they come back after the second power play goal and score again 14 seconds later, and then just the Knights couldn't get a rally going until literally like the final minutes when Nate Schmidt scored twice to make the score a little bit more respectable. But, I mean, that was a game where both teams were not playing well. Whoever kind of blinked first and made a mistake Mm -hmm. was going to lose, and the Knights just blinked first. 
Right. And as you said, returning from break, that it's kind of a wash game. It kind of depends. But then again, it is a team that you're better than. Those are Pacific Division points that you need. So that places an even more of an expectation for points tomorrow night. They did end up winning 4-1 to over the Arizona Coyotes on the 20th, just the next night, which is a huge win because the Coyotes are right there with the Golden Knights in the, in the, in the chase for the Pacific Division and supremacy in the Western Conference playoffs a couple months from now. But, I mean... That's what you want to see. That's what you want to see when Taylor, you get your first look at Taylor Hall on that squad and to just take care of business at home and kind of wash that bad taste out of your mouth with the bookends, bookend losses around your holiday break. I, I mean, you at least you've righted the ship in that in that sense, right? Yeah, no, as bad as they looked against Anaheim, I thought they looked outstanding against the Coyotes. And Pat mm. kind of mentioned after the game, like, that was the Coyotes' first game back from the holiday break. So mm. Patrick's like, hey, we've already played a game. We've kind of worked off the rust. We're ready. Arizona did not look ready. And, of course, they're missing their all-star goaltender, Darcy Kemper, yep. right now, too. And Auntie Ranta did not play well for them in net. So the Knights are able to jump on them early, get a ton of momentum, and then just kind of ride that all the way out to the end, especially because, you know, their stars were great. Marc-Andre Fleury was outstanding in net. He tied Curtis Joseph for the six-month wins all-time after beating the Coyotes. Legend. Yeah. Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty were outstanding. The chemistry that those two have is just, in my opinion, off the charts right now, even though uh, I asked Mark Stone about it after the game. He said, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And it's Mark Stone. Let's not forget the man, the myth, the legend, Chandler Stevenson. Yes. The key, the key to all of the success, at least the, for that line. The key I think. to the Stanley Cup run that any team will go on. Just, really, just I mean, as we all predicted, right? Yes. Yeah. No, he's the he is the key for the Golden Knights. Yeah, so now the Golden Knights, Obviously. as you said, Ryan, find themselves on the top of the Pacific Division standings with 48 points. But the gap towards mediocrity isn't that big. You're only Edmonton finds themselves on the outside of the wild card cut line looking in. They have 44 points, so they're only four points. Uh, behind those Golden Knights. So it just shows you how competitive this Pacific Division is and how it will continue to be throughout this rest of this season. Go. Quick question. Yes. Is the is the Pacific Division, and uh, this is just, it's open for interpretation, is it competitive or is it bad? I don't think it's bad. I think, ooh. It's I meh. really wonder. It's I really hot, wonder. It's not a great division. It's a hot pile of meh, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Like, are the Oilers a great team? No. Are they a good team? Maybe they have great players. Yes. Said players aren't playing well together right now because mm-hmm. they seem to f- turn their brains off when they go in the defensive zone. But I mean, they're fine. They're not a team that, that I think you would be excited to play most nights, but they're a very beatable team at the same time. So they're just kind of just kind of mediocre. I think the powers in the Eastern Conference this yes. season in general. But yes. yeah, I think I think you have a lot of teams who who show a lot of talent, who have a lot of potential, but just haven't taken a hold. Nobody's really taken a foothold in this division. Until somebody gets mm-hmm. a decent lead and goes on a win streak more than like two or three games, I think you're just going to see these leapfrogging type of type right, of moves right. each and every week. All right, it's time for, uh, for we to take our first intermission. When we come back, Ryan, Ben, and I have decided it's officially time to start discussing potential trade scenarios for your Golden Knights. And my suggestion is definitely going to stir up some drama here with Ryan. My name is Lindsay Brown. This is a Nightcap live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Sending you off to the naughty chair. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. 
Hey, how are you? And welcome back to the Nightcap. We have three people in three very naughty chairs in here. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. And per usual, I am joined by Ben Goats and Ryan Quigley. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hey, hey. I was not naughty, by the way. I was nice. Santa I was extremely naughty. Just because I got Santa nothing. lied yeah. to you doesn't make it the truth, Ben. That's yeah. all I got to say. No, I Keep did. lying to me, Santa. I want the gifts. Santa! 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 I did all of the bad things this year. Just, did just, you? Just a subpar human. Um, really, if you're listening to this, you I are mean, a subpar human. Uh, Is that like yeah. a weird middle thing for Santa to give you? You weren't naughty or nice. You were just subpar. Does he give you like a plastic bag or something? I get a little ribbon. Not that a plastic says, bag, a reusable bag. Huh? A reusable bag. Sorry, not With a plastic coal bag. In it, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would make sense. But I get a little ribbon and it says you're like, you know how it's like first place, second place. Like it's like however many people on the earth there are. And then it just like the highest number is that place. So I'm like last Nailed place it. of the... Okay, so yeah. if you want to listen back to that little portion of the nightcap, <laughs> you can totally do so because it's super easy. All you got to do is subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You literally just search the nightcap, include the V, and hit that purple subscribe button. Or you can do the same thing on the radio.com app. Just literally search out the nightcap there as well. Uh, it's time for some trade speculation, gentlemen. It's officially after the Christmas break. This is my favorite time of year. It is. I love this. And because... Now we're so kind of juicy. over the hump. Well, the, the All-Star break, I don't know when it is, but we do know that Marc-Andre Fleury will be representing your Golden Knights in the All-Star game whenever that is. I have it in front of me. Maybe I should look. It is nah, nah, nah. January 25th is the All-Star game. 24th is the skills competition. Oh, uh, yeah. Can't wait to not watch either. What are you talking about? We watch oh, every It's going to be great. Skills competition is incredible. Skill, that is fun. All-Star yeah. game, whatever. They better have Kendall Coyne come back. They don't. She's great. Why? So Pierre Maguire can mansplain hockey to her again? <laughs> so she can. Sh- You're in the so bench. She, <laughs> she can shred McDavid. <laughs> she can. Ha- she can beat him. Uh, he'll eat her dust. So two days ago, I returned from my home, my and Ben's homeland, uh, the land of Minnesota, and the home of the Minnesota Wild. And as I when I was there, I was kind of listening into some of the discussion around the Minnesota Wild. I like to unplug when I'm not here, and so I wasn't really in tune with the Golden Knights. But from what I was hearing from them. I kind of came up with this this trade idea because I think the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights are very compatible trade partners uh, during this season. And it's not just because both of them have talent, that both of them are good, but both of them find themselves in very precarious cap situations. We had a lot early in the Golden Knights season where they were sending guys up and down and up and down from the AHL and NHL when they were just staying in a hotel in town here because they're trying to make sure that they're staying under that cap because thousands of dollars matter. That's how tight things are. And Minnesota finds themselves in a really tough position because they have a lot of guys who are under long-term deals with no movement clauses like Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter. Uh, You have Matt Zagarello who's just signed their long-term. A lot of guys and not a whole lot of wiggle room. And both of the teams, I think, are going to be buyers in this year's uh, trade deadline. But sometimes... order for you to go buy people, you have to sell some players off because you have to make room. There's not enough room at the end. You got to make sure you got to find somebody else or someplace to put them. So just to give you guys a little bit of a, of a summary of what Minnesota's been working with, they have the next coming of their baby Jesus, apparently coming in uh, April. That His name is Kirill Kaprizov. He's, he plays for the KHL. He's, he plays for the Moscow team, Putin's team, and he is... Putin. 36 games played, 17 goals, 16 assists, <laughs> second in teams, and uh, second on his team in points, and fifth overall in the KHL. And Ryan, you cover the Minnesota Wild for Hockey Wilderness and for SP Nation. Can you give me like a tweet's worth of words about the importance of Kirill 
Kaprizov's importance to this franchise. Yeah, I mean, people think he's the savior. People think he's the guy who's going to come in and be the next great Russian goal scorer in the NHL. And I mean, based off of what we're seeing from him over in the KHL in Russia, I mean, there's there's no reason to think he couldn't be that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure he'll be an Artemi Panarin or anything like that. But, but he could be. Um, he could be. You mm-hmm. never know. I mean, you see guys like Evgeny Dadanov come over and he's playing for the Florida Panthers now. He's having a great NHL career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Kirill Kaprizov, he's a young kid. I think he can come in and really change the dynamic of the Wild, who really, they've been missing. I mean, they have Parisi. They do have Eric Stahl. But they need a player who can really just snipe the puck out of anywhere on the ice. Right. And that's not exactly Parisi or Stahl's game. So I think this is exactly the kind of thing the Wild need is someone like Kirill Kaprizov. Right. And the Wild hasn't really had that game breaker since we were growing up and with Marion Gabrick. That's really the last person on that team where you're like, wow, that guy's a goal scorer. And Mm. Kaprizov is a left wing, but because of the contract situation, because of the players and personnel that the Minnesota Wild have, they're going to have to move a top six winger to make room. The only person that really makes sense to me, if you look at their roster, is none other than Jason Zucker. What? Yes, Jason Zucker. You can't move Parisi, no movement clause. Zucker just signed. And then you have the young guys, Fiala, Donato, Greenway, Cunning. They're young. They have too much potential. They're not going to be moving anywhere. Zucker, however, 27 years old, Las Vegas native, the only Las Vegas product ever produced in the NHL, who just makes $5.5 million per season and is signed through 2023. Your guys' thoughts on Jason Zucker just in general. So, I love Jason Zucker. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest with you, I can't really think of too many players that would be a better fit for this team right now. Why? Because he is so good in transition. And when you, whenever you see some sort of um, odd man rush or a breakaway opportunity for the Wild, usually Jason Zucker has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. He's a really, really dynamic offensive forward. His problem is that he has a hard time finishing on these high dangers, you know, uh, scoring chances. And I think that is something. I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if it's a mental thing or it's just him like getting in his own head and trying something and it's just not working out. But. He's a very, very good offensively gifted player, and he's he's dynamic, and I think he would fit really, really well in Vegas. Yeah, and he's the big thing that Jason Zucker brings to whatever team he plays for is his speed. It is one of the he's he probably top yeah. five in the NHL. He's mm-hmm. right. He's not Connor McDavid, but no. he's pretty. He's he's, he's pretty darn good. close. Yeah, and and when you and I were talking about this earlier at the night's practice, Ben. You were you were halfway on board with this because you're like, yeah, I get why Zucker would be a, a, a target possibly because he is at a devalued point in, in his career. They would try to trade him three times last season. As I said, the Minnesota Wild need to get rid of him and he's playing for the Wild. So there's already that. And yeah. they've turned things around. They've turned things around. But still, this is a guy that hasn't really performed up to expectations since signing that big deal after having his career year, I think, a couple seasons ago. Mm-hmm. But I really think with the right roster, he could get to 70 points. But Ben, when you were, when you and I were talking, what was your biggest apprehension surrounding going out and getting Jason Zucker for the Golden Knights? Yeah, I just don't know where he would play in the lineup. Right. So I think everything that Ryan said is totally true. In like an abstract sense, Jason Zucker fits really well with what the Knights want to do. He can be aggressive in transition. He can skate. He can forecheck. Then he can get back on the back check because he's so fast and right. he can get back the other way. But if you're the Knights, to get the most out of him, you're going to have to play him in your top six. Mm-hmm. And your top two left wings right now are Max Pacioretty and Jonathan Marcheseau. So we're not moving them? I, <laughs> you're definitely not moving Max Pacioretty, and no. I think especially it would be 
uh, take a lot of guts uh, for them to move Jonathan Marchessault, so who's making about $5 million this year, so a little bit less than Zucker, but who uh, your coach, Jared Gallant, just loves. I mean, right. loves Marchessault's attitude, loves the way he competes. I think the numbers, for the most part, haven't been for him this season. He's actually been really good in December, though, so he's starting to heat up a mm-hmm. little bit. That's the thing that I think is the biggest obstacle in making this kind of move of are you willing to kind of break up your top six right. to get a guy like Zucker in there? Because, I mean, for sure, one of those two, Pacioretty or Marshall, has to go to, I think, make the cap work and to make the lineup work. You have to make both of those things work if you're going to bring them in. <laughs> and I just don't know if they're going to be willing to do that to break up, you know, one of your top six guys on a team that's not bad. Right. Yeah. Like, my thing is that, like... 5.5 is not it's not a lot but it's, it's not, not little. little yeah no. it's definitely not a little so like they're gonna have to really do some financial gymnastics here if they want to make it work and pull this thing off and let's just be straight up here there's no like rumors or anything like that no. swirling around that this is actually a thing like this is just us spitballing here this is like, my 3am brainchild right yeah literally this is my 3am brainchild but and, tis the season it's yeah. trade season this is what we t- I mean it, this is the time of year when we talk about this stuff and I feel like Zucker someone who he has been in trade talks quite frequently over the last year, mm-hmm. you might as well at least consider it or think about it. Right. And the angle that I took, and I wasn't so much as like, where is he going to fit in the lineup, but I was trying to match up money because that's the first and foremost. I was I was thinking, well, maybe if you flip them, now this is not saying that I want to get rid of them, it's whatever, but Eakin, Reeves, and say like a second round pick because Eakin and Reeves are both off expiring deals, which Minnesota would welcome. Because they don't have a lot of cap space. And if you want to re-sign one of those two, you could maybe circle back and get Eakin if he ends up. And granted, he's injured right now. I know that it's not 100% bulletproof. But Reeves, I know he's a fan favorite, but he could add some muscle to that Minnesota roster. And if he wants, and if Vegas wants to, he could just run out the deal and then re-sign in the summertime, yeah. honestly. The, the problem with that deal for me, though, is the Wild would then be trading Jason Zucker for o- Eakin and Reeves. And a second which, round, and like a se- or first or second, something that a lot sweetens that It would that need pot. a lot. Like, I know, but it's expiring deals that's part of the, the bit. Yeah, like to me, that would be subtraction by addition, if that makes well, sense. Well, if it helps the Golden Knights, I am here for <laughs> If it helps them, I am fine. The other option that I had in the Minnesota Wild is one of their best young defensemen, Jonas Brodine. Uh, he is an excellent skater. He's not an offensive defenseman by any means, but that's why he would be a great fit for these Golden Knights. His skating ability, his puck moving ability allows uh, the Knights to reinforce that defensive, at least their pairing in the third, and giving him an anchor, someone who can help mitigate mistakes should someone take a bad pinch or should the forwards not back check all the way. He is someone that I would really like to look into, and unfortunately we don't have a ton of time to really go deep dive into this further. We'll have to do that at a later date. But yeah, there is. A, this is just going to be our first dip in the water yeah. of trades. I can't wait. This is such a fun I'm time here. I'm so excited. All right, we need to take another breather. When we come back from our second inter- intermission, it's time for our extra special weekly segment that usually falls during the 35th minute called the Dump of Chase, but it might be a little bit late today. That's Ryan Quigley. That's Ben Goats. My name is Lindsay Brown, and this is The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. <laughs> for a little dump and chase. The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140.
That's right. It is time for our Dump and Chase segment. But before we get to that, we do want to put out our social handles to you because we want you to follow us. We want you guys to interact with us. And by us, I mean myself, Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever here on the Nightcap, and my two best friends in the whole wide Vegas area, Ryan Quigley and Ben Goat. That was nice. Yes, it was nice. So if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Lindsey Brown, L-A-N-D-S-E-Y, brown like the color and the numerical value of 35, or on the Instagrams. With, or I mean, at Linz, no EY, Brown35. Same thing, just no EY. What about you, Ben? Where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z. And of course, all my stuff is at ReviewJournal.com. Nice. If you want to check out what I write. Folks, let me tell you something. If you want to follow, oh if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at RP underscore Quigs, and you can follow my Minnesota Wild coverage at Hockey Wilderness with one S for some crazy reason. One I got S. goosebumps with that Singular intro. Singular reason. <laughs> yes, I got the air horns. There we go. You guys both suck. I felt All like right. I was cozying up by the fireplace with you. <laughs> tell me a story, let, Papa Quigs. Let me Quigs. tell you guys something right here, let right now. You. That was like a low key oh ASMR. Yeah, it Folks, was. Let me tell you something. Please put that away. <laughs> Put your pants on. All right. Dump and chase segment. Usually, each and every week, we bring uh, one We bring one thing that we saw in the league that we just like to discuss. Uh, doesn't have to be Golden Knights, really. doesn't have to be, you know, any Pacific Division related, but it just could be something fun, th- something serious. And uh, today, I'm going to address the NHL and their rules for the All-Star game because they've made some changes. NHL's no stranger to making changes to their rules, much like the NFL. Uh, a couple of years ago, they implemented a rule in order to make the All-Star game feel more important and to make sure that their stars were not only showing up, but trying their hardest. Uh, if you get elected, you're going. And if you don't go, you're going to sit out a game. And that's exactly what Alexander Ovechkin did, but he wasn't voted on the roster because last week he said, I'm not doing the All-Star game no matter what because I need to rest up my body. I'm 34 years old. I've paid my dues and we're going for another cup here. Mm-hmm. And you let the league know, plenty of time, but yet still will end up sitting out a game for missing the All-Star game, which is what date again, Ben, since you're the one that knows it? January 25th, and of course the 24th is a skills competition. So yeah, Ovechkin, of course, is the captain. <laughs> I love my buttons. That was incredible. Uh, Ovechkin was named the captain of the Metropolitan Division. Yep. There was a fan vote, and obviously uh, his main competition for that award, Sidney Crosby, is hurt. So it was easy to vote Ovechkin in. So yeah, he said, "Who's filling I'm not it? going. Do you know? I don't think we know yet. Huh. No, we have the last man in voting, which is going to start later on this week. Max, Max Pacioretty's on that roster for the Pacific Division, but their fans can vote those players. And I think you get 10 votes a day and you can do it for 10 days straight. So there's 100 right, votes yeah. at your disposal. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I get what they're trying to do with the league in terms of making sure that these all-star games stay important, that players aren't just showing up like hungover or, right, you right. know, just. Which they're doing anyway. I mean, I, they're, <laughs> they're professional athletes and they are hockey players. We know how to party, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, we all know this. Um, but I just don't really agree with it. I think that in some instances, sure, but I guess you have to apply the rule to all for the few to follow it. But I just don't agree with this. Yeah, so we were talking about this earlier at the Golden Knights practice, and it's so tricky because I get it. Like, if you're the NHL, this is, like, one of the few times you really go all out to market your stars, which Mm -hmm. I have an issue with that, by the way, that, you know, maybe you should market those guys more than once a year. Maybe in the Olympics, per se. Yeah. But anyway, you get these guys together, and you want them all to be there so that you can truly say when it's on NBC Sports Network that, hey, here's the best of the best. Come see our stars do cool things. At the same time, 
Ovechkin's done this for a long time. He's paid his dues. He showed up to All-Star games. Right. He also didn't show up last year because he's like, I've won a cup. I'm tired now because we went all the way to June. I want to rest up so that to make sure that I'm fresh for another cup run. And obviously at this point in his career, that's pretty much all he cares about, despite except for maybe breaking Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record, at which point he will literally just leave the ice and yeah, be done. just take off the stuff right uh, As there. he said in a recent interview, which is amazing. So there has to be some sort of mechanism we can work out with the NHL where it's like once you've been to like your seventh, maybe even just fifth all-star game, like you can bow out, no questions asked. Yeah. If you're a young guy, you're still trying to pay you gotta, your dues. You got to go. And yeah, the yeah. NHL wants to showcase you. Yeah, you got to go. But when you're Ovechkin at this point... We're fu- we've seen Ovechkin in the All-Star game. I think we're all good there. Everyone knows who Alexander Ovechkin yeah, is and everybody. how many laps he can swim around the fountains. Let him swim. I, th- I love how the NHL thinks the All-Star game is so important, and it so is not. Like, like for example, so there's the Alex Ovechkin thing where they're suspending him for not going, which is dumb, obviously. And then the, the John Scott thing. They were like, no, how dare this happen? Yeah, it ended up being the best thing that it happened in that game in forever. It was incredible. Oh, my uh, God, NHL, you stink. Are you listening, Gary? Yeah, yeah. you listening, Gary, you Gare clown? Gary Bear. Bear, listen up, dude. Hey, Ryan, what do you have for your Dump and Chase contribution today? So, there's a certain player for the New York Islanders named Anthony Bavillier. Um, you may know him, you may not know him. He's a solid young player for the Islanders. And uh, over the break, over the Christmas break, he shot his shot. They always say, shoot your shot. He certainly did that. He tweeted at Anna Kendrick. On Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just literally all he said was, hi, Anna Kendrick. <laughs> Incredible. And then every, like a 10 million wingmen came out of Danny nowhere. Danny All-Star came out of the woodwork and started the meme <laughs> of the of the week. Yeah. And yeah. then they were just saying like all these things like, <laughs> hey, Anthony, he dog sat for the entire animal shelter last week. <laughs> a real one for sure. Thanks for, for <laughs> thanks for, for, for performing open heart surgery on me, man. <laughs> People are helping his case for yeah. Kendrick. And she noticed. Yes. She thinks yes. he's hilarious. See, Twitter is often a bad place. Twitter was a very good Great place. place. Yes, it was. I guess except if you're Anna Kendrick's publicist and all of a sudden you have like 2,000 more Twitter notifications than usual and you have to somehow be like, Hey, Anna. Yeah. Like, I know you're busy filming Pitch Perfect 4, but we got something blowing up here. Anna, oh, I, I think Anna handles her own Twitter. She's one of those. She's, great, she's yeah. real. But maybe she does. Anna Kendrick, uh, great friend of the show. She, um, <laughs> I know yep. she, like, I know she's listening. Anna, like, <sighs> you just got to give the guy a chance. I mean, really, that's what you got to do. What do you got to lose? Yeah. Fortune nothing. favors the bold. Think about it. He's a young man. Good looking man. Handsome man. He's in relatively he's in good shape. shape. Yeah, he's in very good shape. shape pro athlete. Uh, yeah, and he makes a decent buck. So why yeah. not? Not that that's a problem. You're Anna Kendrick. So. Yeah, well, she's doing no problem fine. for any women. They yeah. can take care of themselves. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. No? Yeah. Except on mom's on mom's trip. That doesn't exist. Yeah, no. Yeah, apparently. Ben, not. what about you? Uh, so I just want to go back to the All-Star briefly and just talk about, as you mentioned, Lindsay, Marc-Andre Fleury is going for the Golden Knights as of right now. No one else is. Max Pacioretty could get voted in. Coach Ruggland could end up going if the Knights are in first place in the Pacific Division uh, points Mm -hmm. percentage-wise at the halfway point of the year, which is just a weird mark-off point, and that'll happen later this week. So that's possible. The Knights are in second there right now. Are we surprised that only Flurry is going? Are we surprised that Pacioretty or Mark Stone was not named the Pacific Division roster? To be clear... Uh, each team gets at least one player on the all-star team. Mm-hmm. So it is a big puzzle for the league to kind of figure this out of like, okay, if we take this player from this team, that means, you know, this player from this other team can't make it and all that stuff. So it's like much more complicated 
to do than it sounds. But that was very surprising to me that one of those two guys didn't make it. They're both in the top 20 scores of the NHL. And, of course, Stone has an excellent defensive reputation. Patrick is having the best season of his career. Relatively surprised. Yeah. The All-Star game is one of those things where not in a, some most of the time the best players make it in, but sometimes the ones that are more well-known, than even even if they're still playing well, I, I do agree with you. I think that Pacioretty and Stone are a little more deserving at this point, but at the end of the day, everybody knows Marc-Andre Fleury. They mm-hmm. associate the Golden Knights with Marc-Andre Fleury, and I'm I'm not saying Patches and, and Mark aren't important, but this is Fleury. It, it, there's going to be a statue of him. Oh, and, and goalie's Probably, a lot easier yeah. to pick than when you're trying to split hairs with forwards, right. especially with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, all the, all the talent that are, is in the Pacific Division. Yeah. It's going to be a tough putt for any any selection because, as you said, you, you add one player, that means you're taking away from four others. All right, we have one final intermission before we send you off into the dar- darkness. We will stuff some oranges in our faces and retape our sticks. But on the other side of the break, we will take a look ahead of the Golden Knights and their docket this week. My name is Lindsey Brown. This is the Nightcap live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. The Nightcap. That's a uh, night with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. How are you? And welcome back to the final portion of this week's Nightcap. As Shakira said, remember, if you've missed any episode of the Nightcap ever, you can listen back to that on Apple Podcasts. Just search the, include the, the Nightcap on the Radio.com app or on Apple Podcasts or on the CBS Sports Radio 1140 website. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats are also here. And usually at, for our final segment of the Nightcap, we take a look at the schedule for the nights uh, in the week ahead. And they are going to be facing off against the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday. The Golden Knights are 21-15-6, and 48 points, first in the Pacific, and 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. But, Ben, as you said, the Anaheim Ducks beat them the other night. On the 26th or 27th? Correct? 27th. Right. And so Anaheim is 16-18 with 37 points, 6 in the Pacific, 8 points out of that wild card. How important is this game to these Gold Knights tomorrow night, Ben? No, I think it's very important for them to you know bounce back from what was a pretty poor performance overall against them on the 27th. Obviously understandable because the Knights were on the road. They had a travel day the day of, then had a morning skate, then had a game that's a lot in one day to kind of knock the rust off and didn't play their best. At home, I would be pretty surprised if the Knights didn't play a pretty good game there against the Ducks. They've been really good against Anaheim historically. They are still uh, 8-2 and two against the Ducks all-time, even with that loss, uh, I believe it was Friday. So they're a team that the Knights have historically handled the Ducks, and so I'd expect you know for them to give a good effort tomorrow night. Yeah, you're 11 points ahead of them. That means you're the better team. That means you should get two points. No problem. And then the Golden Knights are going to face face off against the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday or at home again. The Flyers are kind of flying under the radar with a 22-12-5 record. 49 points. I didn't mean to, but thank you. <laughs> um, fourth in the Metro. Uh, first wild card position in the East. And Ryan, <clears throat> this is kind of your squad in, in, in terms. You're a Philly fan. 
Why are why isn't Philly getting more uh, more attention? Because they're they have one more point than the Golden Knights, but I never hear anything really about Philly when it comes to the Eastern yeah, Conference. Yeah, I feel like people still think they suck, and <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. They're just kind of used to them being bad over the last couple of years. And um, no, they're they're good. They're actually a good team. Like they got Kevin Hayes over the summer. Mm-hmm. He's been. Amazing. I don't know if uh, you guys saw, but he had a really awesome overtime winner mm-hmm. against the Anaheim Ducks a couple days ago. Um, they're just, they're a really good team. Ivan Provorov is turning into what really looks like to be a franchise defenseman. Mm-hmm. And Carter Hart is just, he's unreal. He, he's he is special. Yeah. He is a special goaltender and one of the, one of the brightest prospects, uh, goaltending prospects in the league. You right. don't see guys playing in the league at his age if they're not special. It's usually mid 20s. So I, Expect big things, and it seems that Chuck Fletcher, the GM of the Flyers, has gotten so far, he's his team doing back good. on track yeah. a little bit quicker than a lot of people had expected. Uh, the Golden Knights, after they play Philly on Thursday, will have a couple days off, but then will face off against the Western Conference leading St. Louis Blues on Saturday. Uh, they are 26 8 and 6 with 58 points casually. First in the Central, second in the NHL, the top team in the West. Also, they've won eight in a row. That and that winning streak, believe it or not, started with the four to two win that they secured over the Golden Knights on the twelfth of December, which is insane. That's going to be a tall task, no matter where you play them. But regardless, all right, that'll do do it for us here on the Nightcap this week. Thank you to Ryan and Ben for joining me, and thank you for Mark for making sure everything sounds great. We'll be back next and every Monday, henceforth, six to seven p.m. here on CBS Sports Radio eleven forty. Don't forget to podcast us. Uh, cheers to you, cheers to me, cheers to us, and all will be. My name is Lindsay Brown, and this has been the Nightcap. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.